Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today we're both semi-excited to be talking to you about the cult classic, question mark? I had never heard of it. I don't want to tip our hand too much, but today we're going to be talking about Galaxina. Once upon a time that hasn't happened yet, there will be a spaceship called the Infinity. And steering the Infinity among the heavenly bodies will be the most heavenly body of them all, called Galaxina, a dream machine, transistorized and computerized to lead her space buddies across the farthest reaches of fantastic adventure with class. Venusian Thunder Ripple, 2001, great year, great. Galaxina, the beautiful. Galaxina, the untouchable. Galaxina, the invincible. She cleans, she cooks. Chicken. She does windows and more. I've adjusted my temperature. I'm better than a human woman. What year is it? 3,035. I got 3,033. This thing's slow. It's party time on the planets with the beautiful people of the intergalactic jet set. <laughs> At least you're not two-faced, but you wouldn't have chosen the one you've got on. Tension to the fourth dimension as they dodge death rays across the universe. Good guys, bad guys, nice aliens. Marty! <laughs> Nasty aliens. The name's Mr. Spot. Galaxina, starring Stephen Mock, Avery Schreiber, James David Hinton, and introducing Dorothy R. Stratton, Playboy's Playmate of the Year, as your favorite gal, Galaxina. Do you have a synopsis for us, Monsieur Hadelston? I do. Uh, this is a 1980 film. It was directed by William Sachs. It stars Dorothy Stratton, Stephen Macht, I think that's how you say his name, Avery Schreiber, some other people. And the IMDb synopsis is, in the 31st century, sexy blonde android Galaxina helms the crew of a space cruiser on a mission to find the Blue Star a mystical gem that holds unlimited power. And uh, neither of us had seen this or really knew. I mean, I was sort of vaguely familiar with it, but what did you think of this film? I'm going to avoid being glib, and I'm just going to say it's a pretty low-budget Star Trek, Star Wars, a couple of 2001 references in there. Knockoff, it's a kind of a poor man's aim low, National Lampoon spoof of 
you know, beloved sci-fi property. There's some alien references in there. Um, clearly marketed around this Playboy playmate they have at the center of it, who in- actually ends up being, for me, the most interesting part of the film. And I say that we don't see any skin, right? I mean, she's clearly a sex object in the movie, but she is a robot that has moments of, you know, I want to be a real person. And I actually think those are the most interesting parts of the film. Like she has a gravitas, which is a strong word to use, but she has a presence in the film that all these other clowns that are running around bumbling around her just don't. They're all in some sort of a really low brow toilet humor. You said before we started recording, who is this movie for? And I thought, you know, a lot of time and energy and effort goes into making a movie. And the net effect of this thing is so stupid. <laughs> I'm like, why why did why was this made? Right? For whom? What what did they think they were doing? I mean, I guess that's what what did you think? Yeah, I this um what was uh, there was another really bad sci-fi one that we watched that I don't think maybe was quite as bad as this the one um I forget I've already forgotten what the title of it was but uh you know this is it has the feel kind of of a kids movie sort of I mean it's it's, it's not aimed at kids though It's not aimed at kids but it's 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 very juvenile humor. I mean, maybe 16-year-olds, um, maybe. Maybe. I kind of think more like, you know, written by like a 13-year-old, you know, because it's that kind of level of humor. Um, like the, so the, you've got a sort of a cowboy guy and another guy and they're police of some kind. And then their captain, his name is Cornelius Butt, B-U-T-T. You know, that's yeah. And the his name his name is Butt. (laughs) And you know know, the whole movie is that. Yeah, it's that kind of humor. And there's, uh, well, I'll save this because this was, this was what I I'll get to this in a minute. What I thought was kind of the better the best part of the movie, but um, the poster is very um. It's almost Barbarella-like. I think you could maybe make an argument they're trying to do a little bit of Barbarella. Sure. But, you know, the so the poster is... And, you know, a lot of these cheap movies like this, they sold with the poster. But it's a... The poster is actually pretty great. Um, It's not what Galaxina looks like at all. It's like a woman in a red bikini basically with a big gun, but you know, so you have this playboy playmate in it and you, you know, this was very much still in the exploitation era. Mm. So I'm sure people watched this expecting you're going to see this playboy playmate naked a bunch in this, you know, and you don't, she, she's in like a tight, like kind of one piece jumpsuit thing. And then there's, she serves food to them and they're, she's kind of in like a sort of a maid's outfit or something, you know? Um, 
But, you know, I, I don't know really why you make this exploitation movie and don't put any exploitation elements in it. You know what I mean? I do. Um, because, again, who was really watching this and, you know, liked this humor, Captain Butt or whatever? And uh, there's now the what I felt like was the best part of the movie is so they're on, you know, ships a lot. And even from the very first frame, the ship, their their police ship or whatever is very phallic looking, you know, so it's yeah. like, oh, you know, it's it's a big penis or whatever. Um, and, but, uh, there, there is a, there's a part in the movie where they go to this planet and it's uh, like a penal colony and the, they say that the atmosphere is different. So it's basically everything looks kind of red and yellow. And I thought I liked, really liked the look of that. I thought that was a, you know, kind of a smart way to, when you don't have any money to make it look otherworldly by you know using these filters that change the color and then it's just they just used a western back lot you know and it's just so it's just a western setting and I aliens thought, okay. riding around on horses earth horses yeah. just aliens riding around on horses i'm like you know like aliens do yeah but i thought okay if you don't have any money you know you use what you have and it's like okay we're gonna go to but the, it's so it's, it's so right. clearly Moss Eisley, and they go in the canteen, right. and it's so clearly they go the in the cantina. cantina. Yeah, and it's Moss. Basically, we have kind of two scenes because we have another scene in a brothel, and you know, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, this is their Moss Eisley thing," because it's just people in Halloween masks, you know. And then the same thing when they're in this, you know, they go in this bar, and it's just a Western bar, but you know, have all these aliens in there. But it it. uh uh, the sign on the outside says human restaurant or something like that. Right. And, they, and so joke. the joke is they're eating humans and there are all these, and I, I should have made note of some of them cause I, I can't remember what they were. I don't know, but there's a board of all these different, you know, things that they have. And it's these Entree. really corny jokes, lady um, fingers. Yeah. Lady fingers and stuff like that. And again, it's like what adult would write, these things and think this is funny, you know? Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's the, so you don't, you know, you don't play into the, the other than she's in sexy outfits kind of, but you don't, you don't play up the fact that you have this, um, you know, this playmate. And even, you know, this was the eighties when, they put gratuitous nude scenes in everything. You know, they just put a shower scene or, you know, uh, a bunch of women in a, in a locker room, you know, naked or whatever, you know what I mean? And whereas this is like, they don't do any of that. Nope. To her credit. I mean, she's undeniably lovely. She's Mm -hmm. tall and statuesque and beautiful. And her outfit is like, Buck Rogers, it's like a jumpsuit. It's like one of those spandex kind of jumpsuits. So you can clearly see that she has a lovely figure, but mm-hmm. there's no skin. She's a robot, and in the world of – in the universe of this thing, you're for, forbidden to – like androids are cold and they're not – there's laws against any kind of sexual contact with a robot and anybody who touches her 
she gets zapped, like she's mm-hmm. electrified or something. And they put their finger on it right in the beginning, so to speak. They put the, the you know, they're they're all hot for her. And one of the guys is like, "Why did they make her look like that?" <laughs> You're like, "That's a good point." Yeah, that's a great point. Like, yeah, it's, it's the navigational system of the ship, and she sits in this kind of like early '80s chair. It's a sort of an egg chair, and she's you know, but she also gets up and walks around and like serves them dinner and stuff and you're like what what's the logic here like this doesn't you know even as an excuse to put a pretty woman in the thing as the title character it doesn't it doesn't make any sense you know but again we're picking nits with a movie that is just stupid from start to finish like they're a police ship or something and it's like you know, it's got the Connie Call number on the front, but then it says police on the back. Oh, they're yeah. the space police. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just poor, poor, poor. And when they go to this, I thought it was, I mean, it wasn't funny. But again, I, I guess they just. And it wasn't funny. It wasn't right, even right. funny in a dumb way. It wasn't even like, oh boy, that's a. St-. It was just like a. Oh, it was like seriously painful eye roll, cringe, like terrible. Terrible yeah. jokes. Um, there's a a part where again it's I guess using what they have, but th- when they go to this this brothel, um, it's just a house. I mean, it's literally just a house, like it would be on Earth. And it's like, why in the 31st century or whatever do they have Earth houses? You know, that look like something from you know a house from the 1940s or something. You know. Um, again, I guess you go with what you've got, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's, um, I feel like this is going to be a really short episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's just... not now. W- one thing that is not funny is the, uh, so, um, the actress, um, and she was only 20, um, so Dorothy Stratton, um, she only lived to be 20 years old. So she died in 1980, the year this this movie was released. Her, She had a boyfriend. She actually was uh, involved with uh, Peter Bogdanovich at one point. And this is kind of weird. They dated, and then he wound up marrying her sister. So Peter Bogdanovich had a relationship with her, and then later married her sister. But um, she had another boyfriend who uh, I, I think kind of, I think he was like some kind of an agent or something like that and was kind of sort of pushing her career. But I think he was very jealous um, of her and he uh, murdered her. He, he shot her and then shot himself. Um, and they actually made a movie. I was I was familiar with her because of this movie. They made a movie in 1983 called Star 80 about her. Oh, that I stars, know that title. Yeah, it stars Mariel Hemingway and uh, Eric Roberts. And um, so that's you know that's the story about her life. You know, basically, I think that that's a tragedy from any angle. But seeing she's the best thing in this movie, and the fact that mm-hmm. she was only 20 is really. Um, I wouldn't have guessed that. I mean, everybody yeah. in the 70s and 80s looked like... We, you look at 
high school yearbooks from the 70s and the PHS yearbook from 1978, mm-hmm. right? You look at the seniors and they've all got mustaches. They all look like used car salesmen. They all look mm-hmm. 40, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't have believed that she's 20, but aside from the fact that she's lovely and she really is, there's something about her, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she has a self-possessedness. She's present on the camera. It's not like she does any real acting in this, but everybody else is mugging and clowning and going for laughs and failing. And they have reaction shots of her, and there's a subtlety and a sincerity to her responses. I I think that with some training, she could have had a career on screen. You know, it probably would have always have been based on the Playboy thing. Um, and that's that's a way that you start. But there's a lot of people who have careers based on their physical looks. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, what a what a shame, what a terrible tragedy. Um, and like you said, I think it was in the last episode that we did is just being good looking isn't enough for right. acting. You no, know. there's got to be, you got to, there's got to be something that comes through on the camera, right? And there's plenty of pretty people, but not all of them, not all of them have something that comes through on camera and connects to an audience. And not everybody that have that thing are pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. uh, that's pretty isn't the most important thing in film. You have to be able to, you have to be able to, communicate the human experience and the audience has to kind of connect with you in some way. Yeah. And, and like you said, her being the best thing about the movie, I really felt like those scenes when, so there's a time on that planet that I was talking about that again, it's, it's corny stuff, you know, and all that. Cause she goes into the bar and there's a Mr. Spock guy. And I don't, what was his name? Mr. Spot or something like that. And he looks like Mr. Spock, except his ears are upside down. Yeah. You know, it's like, my name is Mr. Spot and he's got a Spock haircut and he's wearing a blue Spock shirt, but the Starfleet signal is up. Symbol is upside down. And instead of having pointy ears that go up, his earlobes somehow are pointy going down. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the whole thing is like, um, get it like yeah we we get it it's just so clumsy ham-handed and stupid that it's not funny mm-hmm. i mean you'd have to be you'd have to never have seen star trek not to get it like how is that how yeah. is that a a bit and what's he doing what's he doing behind the bar in this restaurant where they eat human flesh like it doesn't Right. None of it comes together. None of it's thought through. And who cares except that to make a movie of any kind, you have to get together a ton of people and you Mm -hmm. have to get costume people and makeup. You have to, you know, and I'm sure it's just a job for some of these folks, but just like it's a big undertaking to make a movie. You have to really think this is going to be worth it. And there's mm-hmm. nothing in this movie except Galaxina that even that right. is even remotely worthy. It's an embarrassment to everybody involved. 
And the yeah. only recommendation I have for watching this movie is that it is an embarrassment <laughs> to everybody involved. Right. But that, you know, when she's on that planet, especially those first couple of minutes where she's just kind of walking around and you see, you know, these other characters and things like that. I was just thinking, okay, I'm glad that we're away from these stupid guys for a while, you know, yeah, and it's just absolutely. her. Yeah. Because at least there's something interesting about her, you know? Yeah. Um, and, it, and it really felt like, okay, this is kind of more like a real movie than the rest of this has been, you know? Um, yeah. Well, she's not, she's not mugging and doing these big banana bits. She has thought about her, you know, I put, gentle air quotes around it but character you know what i mean she's trying to play a, she's trying to play a robot that has decided she wants to be they go into cryo sleep for like 30 years or something and during that time she kind of does what david does in prometheus or hal does right you know they mm -hmm. the robot left to its own devices kind of evolves uh and she she doesn't speak initially. She sort of teaches herself how to speak and voice emulates. And there's an interesting scene where she's introducing herself to, you know, the the man for whom she's done all this. Um, and she's modulating her voice. And they do that in post, you know. But she's like, "Do you like my voice? You know, I could change it for you." And they do some fun stuff with that. And none of it is is particularly revolutionary, but. I thought well, that's actually interesting. You know, for the first mm -hmm. time in this movie, that's actually interesting. In 2023, we're talking about AI and and uh, you know machine sentience and stuff like this. And this is not the first movie to have done that, of course. But it feels relevant today versus the space clowns who are making butt jokes, right? Yeah. Poor and look, please. I am not above a good bud joke, right? Sure. I think that farts are funny. I still think that at 50. But, mm -hmm. you know, they're not, they're not, a fart joke isn't always funny. Like, it's, there's got to be a certain <laughs> panache to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right? Right. I mean, sure. uh, and there's just no panache at all to this movie. It's just stupid. Stupid, stupid. Well, and I think we've seen kind of time and time again. So Star Crash was that other one that we watched, right? Wasn't it Star, Star Crash? Crash. Well, uh, we haven't talked about it. We watched it, but we haven't done an episode on... Wait, no, Dark Star. That's what I was thinking of. Dark Star, we, yeah. Yeah, we did Star do, Crash. We did was Star the, Crash. Yeah, Star, Star Crash. That was a, a few months ago. But yeah, the I think we've seen how rare the so bad it's good movie is yeah they're unicorn you know yeah because what you see another one was uh megaforce yep. you know where for the most part you know you watch the trailer for these movies or you watch you know you see the poster or whatever and you think that's gonna be <laughs> so stupid and so much fun yeah. and they turn out just to be boring that's what all of these movies are basically they're just dull yeah, they they are stupid, and they are occasionally fun. Like, there are fun moments. I think mm -hmm. 
excuse me, Megaforce has got fun moments in it where, you know, he comes walking in. I'm sorry I'm so burpy. I'm half in the bag. Um, he comes walking in and they've designed, the costume design has done this fabulous 80s, like, quasi-space military outfit for him. You know, it's got lapels and stripes and stuff and the set design is so of a time what that time would have thought this is what the future will look like and there's something about that that i mean it chimes with me because we were kids then and i'm just like Mm -hmm. that is priceless you know Mm -hmm. but that doesn't hold a movie afloat (laughs) you know what i mean like ultimately that movie is just boring and and even if there are five scenes where you're like, that is genuinely enjoyable. If a movie's an hour and a half long and you have five three-minute scenes, that's a fail. Like, <laughs> you don't want to go and sit through, oh, let's watch um, Megaforce. <laughs> no, let's not. You know? Yeah. I'm not saying people shouldn't see those films. I mean, you and I get enjoyment out of, like, kind of tearing them apart a little bit, but... So, I, I, you know, I am in the middle of producing a short film right now with mm-hmm. Travis, whom you know, and some other people. And wow, is it a roller coaster? It's just so much effort and energy and anxiety. And, you know, if you don't finish the thing, then it's nothing. You could get three quarters of the way through a film of any length. And if you don't complete the film, then it's, you know, the pieces of the film are worth nothing um, Mm -hmm. until you coalesce it all into a finished thing. And I just watching a movie like this after shooting all last weekend and putting everything we've got into trying to make something really unique and special, it's just flabbergasting to me. You know, how did this, how did this get made? How did it get made? And they stuck with it, right? Somebody watched a rough cut of this and didn't say, this is garbage. Let's just cut bait. (laughs) They finished it. They finished it. And so, you know, they finished it with an air of like, you know, people are going to love this. I'm like, seriously, you looked at these dailies and you thought, perfect. That's exactly what I was going for. That's, That's the take. Right. And it's not even like you, you know, I I think it would be possible to, and at the, you know, at the time even have taken some people who were real science fiction fans and said, okay, let's write a movie and we're going to, you know, parody Star Wars in 2001 and, and Star Trek and all this kind of stuff. Take people that understand why those things were successful and make fun, you know, come up with funny elements of those. Right. But I mean, this just feels like somebody that doesn't even really understand why people. It's just like, yeah, Star Wars is popular. Let's do. That's exactly right. A riff on that. They, it, this know? is a movie with no awareness of its audience. So you said it as, who is this movie made for? The movie doesn't know. The movie assumes that science fiction fans are just going to love this movie because it references beloved science fiction. But look at Peter Jackson's original uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? Fantasy, very, very difficult genre to get foothold with, right? Very, very different 
it's expensive genre. Um, historically, it never really got a lot of traction. Never really made a lot of money. Some maybe you'd achieve some cult classic status, but it just wasn't a commercial thing. He comes along, and I think it's fair to say, from any angle, sticks the landing. Right? Why? You know, how was he able to be so financially successful? These complicated – it's a complicated story, right? The books are are very complicated. He managed to rope in people who wouldn't have described themselves initially as fantasy enthusiasts, right? He got mm-hmm. that audience. But – and this is key – he also got the approval of the diehard fans, right? Mm-hmm. The Tolkien people who knew all the three pages of Elvish poetry and, you know, speak Klingon, right? He, those people thought he did a great job. And those people are extremely hard to please. The way he did it was by understanding his audience and honoring the source material, Right, he really treated the source material as holy, all the way down the line, all the way down the line, from the people who built the costumes to design the sets to the second unit stuff. It was an incredibly detailed and devoted act of love to the source material, mm-hmm. and I think that that authenticity and that love came through to the diehard existing fans, the Tolkienites who already who came hoping to see something that they'd connect with. Sure. But that also won over the people who weren't necessarily fantasy enthusiasts ahead of time because it was a great story about characters who genuinely cared about each other and whom we as the audience genuinely cared about. Right? Mm-hmm. So then all of the lore and the orcs and the history and the wizards and the blah, 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 the pageantry of it goes down smoothly because it's really grounded in sincere and good acting and good you know in relationships that you care about and this movie has none of that this movie has the characters are baloney they're two-dimensional they're not even two-dimensional they're like a dimension and a half and the it's all strung together with jokes it's all filler you know i mean i think if you cut out all the filler this movie would be about 45 minutes long and that's generous. That's of like, yeah. There's m- versions of the same shot when they're in the western town of of aliens riding. And by aliens, I really mean like Planet of the Apes. It's a dude in a jumpsuit mm. with a lizard mask on, yeah, riding a horse. And and there's there. I I kid you not. There must be ten full minutes of B roll footage of just a wide shot of quote unquote aliens riding horses around a western set mm-hmm. and oh, so yeah i mean yeah you use what you've got i'm not gonna poo poo low budget filmmaking but yeah uh, guys i mean there's a point where the padding is just unwatchable this is not you know if i really love the story if it's mad max and you're like well that looks cheap you're mm-hmm. like yeah, but, yeah, but shut up i mean this, this is really good like look at what's happening right and they even threw in, which I don't know if they thought it was funny or if it was just an Easter egg or what, 
But when she rolls into the Western town, they have the Batmobile, the like 60s Batmobile. <laughs> and they're like working on it, you know, and it's like, why is the, you know, and I'm sure it was just, huh, it was on the Warner's back lot or wherever they, you know, did that this day or whatever. So exactly. Like, hey, let's just roll well, that in there. Let's you throw know? that in. Let's stuff that in this turkey. You know, here's an yeah. apple. That'll be good in a turkey. Stuff that in there. I will say, I, I, I do want to try and give this thing credit where it's due. They had a bit that I initially was scratching my head at, but they stuck with it so long and they committed to it so hard that eventually it won me over is whenever they say, what's the name of the gem? The blue star or something. Yeah. They do a little fanfare, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you must find the blue star. And it's like, bah, da, da. and everybody on set goes like, looks around like, where is that crazy music coming from? And they're mm -hmm. genuinely perplexed. Like, I feel like these scenes were times when the director was like, cut. All right, we have to do it again. Everybody, you have to look really confused. Like, imagine, you know, you can feel directing. That's how much they committed to this bit. I would say it happens 15 times in this movie. I mean, yeah. And near the end, they play with it a little bit where the music changes for some reason. Somebody else says it, and it's a different musical tag. And everybody looks around, but now they look perplexed because the music is different, right? Mm -hmm. And then at the end, somebody says it, and it doesn't happen. And everybody looks around like, why didn't it happen? And he repeats mm -hmm. it louder, and then it happens, and everybody looks around, but they look kind of relieved. And yeah. It's not even particularly well done, but it is one of these things in the movie that they commit to. They double down on it like it's way better than it is. It's never right. explained. Like the 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 power or the value of this blue star gem is never unpacked, right? I mean, at least in Star Trek, if it's the dilithium crystals, they talk about why we have to have the dilithium crystals and oh well what you have to understand about dilithium crystals is if two of them get too close together then they do you know bends whatever they blah 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 they explain it to you they invest you know importance in it and in this one it's just like oh we gotta get the thing bop, 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 you know and they spend more time yeah. in the joke but i did actually chuckle a couple of times near the end because it's so apropos of nothing mm -hmm. and they stick with it so hard that I kind of grudgingly had to be like, all right, no, you know, okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, it showed a commitment. They didn't show to any of the rest of them. Right. And there might've been one. Well, or two and you know, most of it's just dumb. Yeah, and the, the thing I also think with so bad good movies, there are some memorable scenes. Like we watched um, Deadly Friend, where it's this right, you know, teenage girl who dies, and then her boyfriend or wannabe boyfriend brings her back as a robot. Puts a chip. In her I head. mean, there's a there's a bunch of really funny things in it. Yeah, but the standout scene is. 
there's this mean old woman that lives next door or whatever. And at the end of the movie, she throws a basketball at her and her head explodes. And you just, you're just like, Oh my God. You know, and you just, and it's just hilarious. It's just so outrageous. Well, and that actor you know? walks around with her kind of robot. Yeah. Head. You know, I, I'm yeah. a robot. Yeah. But there is a charm to it that is like, that was, that was an entertaining, I mean, you know, is it terrible? Yeah. Sure. You know, is it good? I don't know. I don't know if it was good. But right. do I regret having watched it? No. I mean, it was kind of, it was fun to talk about. It was fun to like, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a joy to it. Mm-hmm. And there just wasn't in this one. And I think another example I think of, like, we did Creep Show. Uh, well, creep show. for this podcast, creep, creep show is a great movie, but we we've not done Creep Show two, mm-hmm. which I think is a bad movie. Uh, but a, a lot of people really like Creep Show two. But there is uh, one of the segments in it is this woman, like this rich lady, who hits a, a hitchhiker or a homeless guy or something in her car and uh, uh, kills him, and then. Um, she continuously sees him right and he'll he'll come up to the he'll like appear at her car and the tagline from it is he sa- he says over and over again thanks for the ride lady which i still to this day with, with people who know the movie if like somebody gives me a ride i'll say thanks for the ride lady you know thanks for stupid, the ride but, lady yeah yeah that's how that's how it is and also there is a cameo with um uh, uh stephen king as a truck driver. Right. And he gets out and I forget exactly what his line is, but you know, Stephen King has never been a good actor. No. And he delivers his line really horribly. It's like, you know, what the hell happened here or something like that. And it's really stupid, but it's hilarious too, you know? So there's, there's nothing in this movie that's like that, where it's even just like unintentionally funny where you right. just crack up laughing. Cause they right. bumped into something or, you know, there's just none of that. Right. It's interesting. I find I find it interesting that Stephen King would have wanted to be in the movies because he is not one of these people that the camera loves. He's very uncomfortable on camera. Whereas Stan Lee, yeah. although not a great actor, was always able to pull off his cameos with a plum. You know what I mean? Like right. they always put Stan Lee and until he died in the in the Marvel things and uh it became a kind of an easter egg to the fans but he he pulled out he'd have one or two lines and he would pull them mm-hmm. off i thought you know the whole point was that you recognize it as stanley but it wasn't like a, like okay hold stop the movie while we do this stupid obligatory bit you know he would mm-hmm. usually get a laugh I, he showed up one time at iron man for with a delivery for tony stark and he mispronounces his name he's like you know, I got a package for Tony Stank, right? And Don Cheadle laughs. Is like this. Yeah, this is him. This is Tony Stank. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other guys yeah. sell it, but he 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 carries the water in those scenes. And I almost, I understand. I guess I understand the creator of the material wanting to like be a part of the closing of the loop, but. It's not like Stephen King needed the money. <laughs> of course, I think he? Stanley didn't either. 
My guess is, uh, I mean, I, I think he's the first to admit that he's not a good actor. I, I don't think he has any illusions about ever being uh, a good actor. Um, I think uh, it. I think it was probably just kind of fun. You know, yeah. he, maybe he liked being on the yeah, movie sets sure. or whatever. I know with with Creepshow, that's probably the biggest role he's ever had in a movie, and. And George Romero talked him into it. I don't think he, if I'm just going by memory, I don't think he really wanted to do it. And he was like, no, no, you know, this is going to be, you know, you're right for this or whatever. And he didn't really want to do it. But I think that that particular thing that he did in that was upsetting. But I do think that if you had gotten an actual actor, it would have been better. Oh, yeah. Better for sure. Now, and, you know, he, he readily admits this now, too. But, um you know, it wasn't acting, but he directed, um, maximum overdrive mm. and, you know, he famously says that that was just, he was on a lot of cocaine basically, you know, and he was just super coked up. And, uh, there's a great, if you want to, uh, there is a, there are YouTube, um, there's a great YouTube video of him, I believe, on MTV, uh, and uh, you know, ACDC did the soundtrack for that. And he, Stephen King, is on MTV interviewing uh, ACDC, and he said that like he was just out of his mind on cocaine, like w- during that interview, like on TV. Um, and it's really crazy to watch because you could watch it. And you're just like, oh, yeah, he's like out of his mind. But so, you know, he 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 says now basically it was just hubris that it was like, oh, yeah, I could direct a movie. You I can, know, I'm the king hub- of the world. I could do anything. Yeah. Hubris. And, you know, he was had all kinds of alcohol problems and drug problems and everything. And, you know, so like I say, he's not shy about admitting all of that. But and, you know, I don't know if you. um if it were one of us, if you became some huge best-selling writer and they're just like, Hey, sure. Uh, I mean, you have experience with acting and, and directing and movies but and I, everything, but if you know, they're, they're but just I like, Hey, we're going to give, I don't have experience you know, give with you fame money. and I don't have experience sure. with fortune. I do. I don't yeah. have any illusions. I don't judge really. I, I mean, clearly I do, but I, I think when I step back, I think that success like that, it would affect you. It was certainly oh, sure. would affect me. Uh, um, I yeah. think, I think as a very common story, you 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 kind of blow up, and then you think, I'm, I deserve this. I don't know exactly how to quantify what happens to you, but it it does. A lot of people kind of lose their way, and then have mm-hmm. to find their way back to themselves and say, "Wow, that was." Sorry, everybody. Like I uh, got a little out of control there. Kind of went to my head. And I mean, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. You know, I don't want to be like running down Stephen King because I think over time, I mean, he's shown to be a pretty, seems like a pretty great guy, you mm. know, and is, and now, you know, certainly is pretty, a good author. Yeah. Yeah. A good author. And, and, but yeah, I, no one can, you know, I, I think the people that reach that level of fame and don't just lose their minds, you know, and, and continue to be, you know, just decent, humble people is, it's gotta be tough, you know, cause you just don't know what that, 
you just don't know what that would do to you, you know. But I, I definitely don't think it would be hard to just be like, "Hey, you want to make this movie? Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can do that." Especially I wrote if a you're, bunch of books, I can I can make a movie. Especially you if know. you're all coked up. Yeah, how hard can it be? Yeah, you know, I've never used cocaine before, so I don't know what what you know. Yeah, that's but, like, I, but I haven't either. But I I, I can imagine. Have, yes, we have enough stories about it. it makes you feel like you're capable of great things makes you feel very confident very optimistic very positive um so i guess maybe uh we're not really talking about galaxina anymore so what do you mean as far as yeah i mean what else is there to say about it do i recommend it no i don't recommend it but i mean it's not the worst thing we've talked about on this show i just think it's not you look at the marketing, and you I think, think it's Kill and Kill Again or a low bar. Yeah, probably or our worst movie. I think you look at the the marketing and the time frame, and you think, oh, that might be really good. Eh, it's not. I mean, if you wanted to have it on at a party in the background, and people are walking by the TV and with the sound off, and they're like, "What the hell is that?" I mean, that's the kind of. It's not. I had to. You watched it on YouTube. I paid three bucks for it or something like that. And yeah, watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube for free. It seems to be uncut, you know, and it looks good. And that's not so much money that I was like, oh, I wish I had the money mm-hmm. back. But I'm kind of like, you know, if we hadn't have been talking about it, I'd have turned it off. If yeah. I knew, if we weren't going to have this conversation, I just wouldn't have watched the entire movie. I'd have just it's a slog. Like, I'd been I mean, like, pass. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, well, I mean, it's do you, you agree? Yeah, I mean, I don't even think as a curiosity. I mean, honestly, you know, she's 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 kind of somewhat lost to history. I mean, I I doubt there are many younger people who right. are even aware of her. You know, which is sad because, like you say, I I think you know she could have. She only did a two or three movies, but you know, I think she could have gone on to do to do some okay stuff, you know? Sure. Um, so, but I would say, um, you know, if you're curious about this actress, sort of watch the movie star 80, that is about, you know, what happened to her. And I read, uh, uh, just looking at her IMDb, um, the, this is really creepy, but the, uh, they said for the star 80 movie, they filmed the murder suicide scene in the actual apartment where it happened. Oh my god! Why they did that, I don't know. That's pretty that, macabre, that's you know. Macabre. But, yeah, and morbid, you know. But yeah, they shot it in the actual. Talk about exploitation! Actual, Jesus Christ! Yeah. yeah, but it it it's a movie that I I think I've seen before. I I definitely knew. It I know of the rings a serious the... bell. Yeah, I think I I'm certainly aware of that being a splash. I don't know that I've seen it because um, it's a pretty it's an '83, so it's a pretty early. Yeah, you know Eric Roberts movie, and then also Mary. I think it's Mariel Hemingway who is in it. So, so yeah. Yikes! Well, what do you want to do for next time, mon ami? So I um, was before we recorded. I was just I was mainly looking on Hulu, and I was just kind of looking at stuff on there. 
and I just I put just a few random um I made a little list of a few rando things. Um there is a movie called Prospect, a science fiction movie from the last few years that has Pedro Pascal. It's him and um like his daughter go to this planet to like find some minerals or something like that. I don't uh, know. Um yeah, that so Pedro Pascal is the 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 Mandalorian. Uh, there's also a new, um, there's a Boston Strangler movie that stars, uh, Kira Knightley and what it d- doesn't, it mm. seems more kind of like a drama than a, yeah. a horror ish thing. Yeah. And it's about, uh, Kira Knightley and there's a couple other women who were these reporters who kind of broke the story or it, it, it seems a lot like, uh, Zodiac. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever saw Zodiac. So that's one. Another uh, that popped up on there that I have never seen. I know a lot of people like. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it before. Have you ever seen the Boondock Saints? Nope. Are you familiar with it? I've heard of it. Sure. Uh, it's Daryl from uh, The Walking Dead mm. and uh, the guy who, I forget what his name is, but was on the Young Indiana Jones show. He played the, like... 20 year old or whatever Indiana Jones it's like a it's like a cult classic like kind of action thing I think I mean anyway, I've never seen it I do feel like I should have seen the Boondock Saints I mean, yeah. maybe we should it's, just do that to kind of mark it off a list of right I mean what year sure was uh it's sometime in the 90s I want to say it's like 94 95 something like yeah. that sometime in the 90s there's a part of me that um, feels like I should have seen the boondock saints and I have. yeah it's one of those I've just never gotten around to another we haven't done a lot of ca- of uh comedies but a couple of comedies uh I've never seen the cable guy before I don't know if you're a fan of the cable guy or not but I don't know that I've ever watched it all the way through it's not really a Jim Carrey comedy it's very dark. yeah it's like a dark it's a real dark comedy Horror. and I've I'm also interested in um, uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. That's that one with that also has Pedro Pascal, but that's the one with Nicolas Cage playing himself where this billionaire like hires him to like come to his Island and just hang out with him or whatever. I've um, never heard of what you're talking about. Oh, you never heard of it. Okay. I think it came out in 2022. Hmm. Um, I don't know. You could check out the trailer, but it's Nicolas Cage playing. He's Nicolas Cage. Cause and Pedro billionaire. Pascal is playing a billionaire who hired Yeah, he's a billionaire, and he basically just wants to hang out with Nicolas Cage. And so he, like, says, hey, you know, come to my island, and I'll pay you. I'll pay like, you. It's a gig. Be, just, you don't need to be, like, friends anything, with just, Yeah, just hang out. Yeah. So it's, but it's Nicolas Cage is playing himself. That, uh, you um, know, I have two thoughts of that. One, that sounds really interesting. Two, if it was really good, I'd have heard of it, right? So, I mean, there's a part of me that's kind of like, um, I think it was viewed as pretty. Let me see what. Uh, so, Galaxina, I don't know if I said it or not, is a 3.6 on To IMDb. be fair, we just watched Galaxina. So, I yeah. Don't know why I'm suddenly getting all um, highbrow about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. A lot of that sounds good. Do you have any urge in a particular direction or other? Maybe we can just. Uh, uh, let's just talk about it you know, before next time, maybe not commit to anything yet. So unbearable, unbearable weight of massive talent has a, it's a seven with 119,000 votes on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Not bad. So, Pretty yeah. good. 
uh, I mean, I watch most, I don't even necessarily enjoy Nicolas Cage. Ironically, I, I like Nicolas Cage a lot. I think I mean, when, he's he's, bad when he shows up, he does really interesting work. I think like it's an eighty-seven percent on on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, adaptation is really a terrific performance. Oh yeah, but I mean he's capable of doing you know, leaving Las Vegas. I mean he's capable of doing really terrific work. He just sometimes takes gigs that he's kind of phoning it in, and it's disappointing. Because you go, you know, you know what? I bought a ticket on, on the basis of your past work, and I feel like you're not even, you know, it's not just he the did look a, of your face. It's, this was pretty interesting. He Last Sunday, he was on 60 Minutes. They interviewed him on 60 Minutes, and he, they actually talked to him about, you know, the bad movies. And he's like, yeah, I did bad movies, but he's like, I never phoned it in on any of them. He's like, you know, okay. even the bad ones, he was like, you know, I tried to bring something to it. And the interesting thing was he said his um so he did a movie, I think it was 2021 called Pig. Did you ever see that? No. Um and it was I was kind of disappointed with it. It got a lot of hype and it's he was this chef who had a uh um he was this famous chef and then he gives it all up and he moves out into the woods. And he has a truffle pig um, who's basically like his his pet. And also he makes his living from him because the, the pig goes and finds truffles. And, um, you know, that's how he makes money. Uh, you know, he sells them to restaurants. And um, it's a really sad film. And uh, his performance is great in it. I was just kind of underwhelmed with the movie overall. But he said that he thinks that's his best performance, even better than leaving Las Vegas. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, (laughs) I don't have any stake in it. I, you know, yeah, it was just kind of an interesting interview, but you can, see you can see when an actor has put work into something and you can see when an actor is just winging it. And there's a lot of those quote unquote bad movies that he's just, you know, he's just sort of showing up and he, he's doing the, yeah. what people buy a ticket for. You're like, okay. I mean, good for you that yeah. you have a brand that, you know, enough people will. I mean, at a certain point, if it gets someone to buy a ticket for it, that's a win, right? But mm-hmm. that's not art. Yeah, that's I don't know. Just capitalizing on what well, I mean again I'm not judging the guy's got a career it's just Michael Caine has done over 100 movies and I think Michael Caine does do you know Michael Caine will take the script and he'll do the work and he'll make decisions and he shows up with a certain respect for what he's doing like the craft and he can recognize that it's a terrible movie and that doesn't save the movie, but he does work. And I think there's a number of Nicolas Cage movies I've seen that looks like he sort of, he might learn the lines, mm-hmm. right? And he's not sitting there being like line, you know, he knows what to say, but he's, he's just like, I don't know, we'll kind of spackle it together. And that's what it feels like. Yeah. And it, to me, I'm just like, you know, not even trying i mean you're putting energy into it and you're looking at the way you're supposed to look and you're hitting your mark but you didn't you know you didn't treat this like it was 
good. It's not. It's yeah. not good. But you're just kind of like, you know, they paid me to show up and hit my marks and be Nicolas Cage, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah. That's a disappointment. You know, you're not doing anything to elevate the film. Right? You're right. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely, I mean, there's definitely been stuff that he's been bad in, for sure. Um, but, um, so yeah, we'll, uh, talk off, off, uh, Mike or whatever. Folks, we're going to figure it out. Yep. We're going to figure it out. Chris and Chris talk. And it may not even be one of those movies. It might not. It might be something totally different. Despite myself, I watched the flash trailer with oh yeah eaten as looks good doesn't it and i am not into the dc universe i have found them to be disappointing by and large Mm -hmm. but i i have to admit that i am intrigued by seeing michael keaton return to batman and them play around with the multiverse i i i'm kind of interested in that movie yeah yeah i want to see it for sure Anyway, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. We're on the socials. We on have socials. a YouTube version of this. We've got a podcast version of this. Thank you so much for joining us, however you're joining us. And for We've years had a before, French accent. We've had a German accent. We've had a lot of different accents, and this one is, I don't know where this is from. That one's, uh, that's your Werner Herzog. No, this is my Werner uh, Herzog when people <laughs> talk very slowly. Um. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've had some beers. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do. We're gonna do it again, and then we will put another episode up. And I hope that you will like and subscribe and join us for that next one, and enjoy movies. And if you are in my area of East Hampton, Massachusetts, I hope that you will come to my film festival that is happening from May twelfth to May twenty sixth. It may actually happen Please before this one comes out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We may. Oh, well, we I hope that, that you came to it if you're hearing this after May 26th. <laughs> I'm not good, not good at advertising. So, unless you have anything else to add. I don't think so. We will talk to you next week.